I love happy endings. How many of you like happy endings? Let me see. Let me see here. Everybody likes happy endings. You know, if you look at television, television's about happy endings. And it's amazing how in 30 minutes or, or 60 minutes, they can take a sad scenario and turn it around and have a happy conclusion. I was watching television last night. There was a variation on a Christmas carol called a Divas Christmas Carol. And just like all of the variations, in the end, uh, the Ebenezer Scrooge sees the error of his ways and makes things right. And there's time. You know, it's Christmas Day and there's still time to make all things right. Well, I want to tell you that that's what God's Word is all about. And that is making everything right. The Bible says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts, saith the Lord. You know, over in Second Kings, the 21st chapter, we, we read of a scenario. And I, I want to read to you from a couple of verses. At the end of... Um, of Second Kings 21, it says in verse 19, And Naaman was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulameth, and the daughter of Huraz of Jotheba. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. Now, the, the following verses down through chapter 26 give you a narrative of, of what went on during his life. Then in chapter 22, and, and verse 2, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boshkath. Listen to verse 2. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways his father David. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now, it's interesting as you get into the book, in verse 8 of chapter 22, Josiah begins in his 18th year, he begins the process of rebuilding the temple. And in the process of rebuilding the temple, in verse 8 it says, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Saphon and the scribe, I have found the book. I want you to remember that. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Saphon. And he read it. Then you go down to verse 10. Then Saphon and the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Sapphira read it before the king. Josiah, being astute, recognized this was not just a book, but it was the book. And my friend, God's Word is about making everything right. We have this book. The Bible says all Scripture given by inspiration of God is profitable. And that's what it is. 
But the question is, are we willing to listen? This morning's lesson, as has been announced, is they lied about the Lord. Now, over in Jeremiah, the fifth chapter and verse 12, we see that the leaders of, of the nation of Israel took the people, told the people not to worry about the judgment from God. Yet the prophet Jeremiah said that these leaders were lying about God. Look at the verse there. And they have lied about the Lord and have said, It is not He. Neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. The problem is today is that we still have many that are lying about the Lord today. You see, many today are persuaded to believe the same thing. Look in Second Peter, the uh, third chapter, verses 3 and 4. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. Now, people still want us to believe a lie. People say, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe, just as long as you're sincere. And I know we've all heard that. But let me remind you about Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu were priests. They were the sons of a high priest. And they knew what God wanted. And yet, there was that defining moment in their life when they decided to use a strange fire. Now, what difference did it make? Fire is fire, isn't it? It doesn't really matter what fire you use, just as long as you use fire. But it did. It mattered to God so much that He sent down fire from heaven and consumed. But you know, people still lie to us about the Lord. It doesn't really matter what you believe. Well, what about Uzzah? You recall how that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken into captivity? And how that as they, the children of Israel began to return it to its rightful place in Israel, that God had instructed how the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried. No human hands were to touch it. Poles were to be placed on rings, through rings on each side of the Ark, and it was to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. But what difference does it make how you get it back where it belongs? It doesn't really matter... How they get it back, as long as it gets back to Israel, that's the important thing. And so they put it on a cart, and Uzzah was riding that, it was driving that cart. And apparently he hit a place in the road, and he feared that the ark would fall off of the cart. And so he did what any other person might do. He stayed the ark with his hand, and God struck him dead. You say it doesn't matter. Well, the problem is it may not matter to me. It may not matter to you. But it always matters to God. You see, God says this. 
If you want to turn in 2 Peter 3, 5 through 7, for this they willfully forget. That the word of God, by the word of God, the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, it's, it's a simple thing. Does it matter or does it not matter? If it matters, it matters because God said it matters. And if it doesn't matter, it would not matter because God said it doesn't matter. You know, I was a student of Brother Homer Haley. And uh, he made a comment one time that I remember. I wrote it in one of my Bibles. I want you to remember this. You cannot put a question mark for God for the period. If God said it, that's it. You drive a nail down right there. That's the way it is. Because the Bible says that in the day of judgment, and I saw the dead small and great stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to things written in the book. We're going to be judged by what's written in the book. And if we're not living by the book, then we're in trouble because we're going to be judged by it. You see, there are those people that want us to believe that all religions are acceptable. In John 8, 24, it says, Therefore I said to you that you should die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Well, what that means, uh, in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, notice those two blew out statements. I am He. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what this means is, it does matter what we believe. And that all religions aren't acceptable. We're bombarded with this idea that it's all right if you want to be a Muslim or it's all right if you want to be a Hindu, if you want to be an American Indian and follow the Wiccan religion, an Asian religion, a Buddha or, or something of that nature. But the question is, is this true? What did Jesus teach? And we can see what he taught right here. Well, my friend... Some people will tell us, well, you just choose the church of your choice. But look over in Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. But Edwin talked about God last Lord's Day morning, and he said, I'm not God. That's a good point. Well, my friend, this is the Lord's church. It's not mine. I did not die for it. I did not shed blood for it. I did not establish it. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Then look over at Acts 2.47. Praising God, hand in favor for all the people. And the Lord added to the church, 
Not a church, the church. Daily, those who are being saved. Some people say, well, preacher, you're being narrow-minded. The Bible says, straight is the gate and narrows the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. I'm just as narrow as the Word of God instructs me to be. You know, we're familiar with all the advertising. Not even those who respond to these positions that choose the church of choice really believe it, if you think about it. Uh, would you include the people's temple? I, some of you have to reach back a long way. Some of you don't even know. But these people actually made a journey to Guyana. And they lived in a jungle retreat. And when uh, their deeds were found out, Jim Jones ordered everyone killed by drinking cyanide-tainted Kool-Aid. Were they right? Was that the right religion? Well, I'm certain that the survivors of these people would argue that point. Did Jesus ever suggest that you could choose the church of your choice? Well, that's not so. Look over to Ephesians 1, and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is the church? It is his body, and it is the fullness of him. What does that mean? It means the church wasn't an afterthought. You know, there are some people that say, well, Christ came to establish the kingdom, and he came and the world wasn't ready, and so he established the church instead. Not so. This verse denies that. It says that he established his church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It was the completion of Christ's mission when he came to this earth. And he chose to die upon the cross because the Father had sent him to do the same. Now look over in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 6. There is one body, one spirit, even as you call him, I hope you're calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Think about that for a minute. How many gods are there? It's only one God. Nobody argues that. There's only one God. Uh, how many faiths? Well, there's only one faith. Faith once delivered to the saints. How about hopes? How many hopes do I have? There's only one hope. Now, there are some people that don't believe in baptism. There are some people who believe baptism is an afterthought. Still only one. I, I grant you that the, the Church of the Brethren believe in three baptisms. Baptism of the Father. Baptism of the Son, Baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says there's one. But you know what's most important about it? There is one body. What did we just establish earlier in Ephesians? Which is his body. The church is his body. And how many bodies are there? There's one body. <coughs> Excuse me. That means there is one church. Now, I didn't say that. God said it. And we've already established that the Bible is the book 
of being right, doing things right. You know, we make choices in life. Nadab and Abihu made a choice. Wasn't a good choice, but they made a choice. Uzzah made a choice. Wasn't a good choice, but it was his decision. We make choices every day. We can either choose to do what God's Word says. Or we can choose to do what we want to do. Because there are people that want us to believe that alternative lifestyles are all right. See, there's another idea that uh, perpetuated by many in society today. Many of today's religious scholars would have us to believe that homosexuality is normal and that God approves of such. Again, is this true? Or are someone telling a lie about God? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. In Romans 1, 26-28, For this reason God gave up the, to vile passion, for even then women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Look at verse 27. Likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men, listen to this, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due, which they deserve, in other words. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not what are we talking about? We're talking about is he doing what God wants us to do or doing what we want to do. There's even a church of Christ in Dallas, Texas for homosexuals. Why? Clearly the Bible tells us that that is a sin. They lie about the Lord. Look over in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, listeners, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortionists will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to this. And such were some of you. But you were sanctified. You were, you were washed. You were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. I know there are people that would like for us to believe Excuse me, I, I read it here and forget that I haven't put it on the screen. I know there are people in our society today that says, I was born this way, and I can't help it. Well, you know, in life's experiences, God allows us to meet certain people. And I met Brother Pete Grimer in Melbourne, Florida. And I have to tell you a, a story about Pete. When I came, I was coming to talk to the church in O'Galley about preaching for it. And uh, 
he wanted me to take me out to supper. So he took me out to, to uh, uh, Western Sizzler or uh, Sirloin's house or something like that. And, we ate, and then afterwards he wanted to he wanted to show me around Melbourne, Florida. As I'm sitting in the front seat with him and talking, he begins to tell me about his life. And he says, I used to be a homosexual. And they began to be a little graphic about how he would preach to people the truth, but he was still a homosexual. I have the greatest admiration for Pete. Pete left a lifestyle. Not because he was born in the lifestyle, because he chose that lifestyle. And he chose to follow God because he wanted to go to heaven. People make choices. And their choices will determine their happiness. Many years ago, I worked for a bariatric surgeon. And the hospital that I worked at, where they did the surgeries, was the very first hospital in the United States to treat HIV. And when I was there, they still had a floor where they treated HIV. And you know what? I got to know some of those people. And they're just like you and me. They need the gospel. But they made a decision. And the reason they were in the hospital by that time was because the decision they had made had cost them their health. And sadly, most of them it cost them their life. Someone says, but all you need to be is sincere. Well, we've touched upon this already. But look at Acts 23.1. Then Peter, looking earnestly at the councils of men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I've got a clear conscience. 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Oh, I had a good conscience. But he tells Timothy, I was a sinner. I was wrong. I made the wrong decision. Sincerity is a great quality all of us should strive to and add to our character. But my friend, this quality, we have to ask ourselves, is that all God's looking for is just sincerity? Many have done some pretty evil things sincerely believing that they were doing God's will. That's what Paul did. He said, I lived in all good conscience before me. What was he doing? I was persecuting the church. I was dragging them to their deaths. I lived that way. Could this be another lie about God? Well, in Matthew, the seventh chapter, verses 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many were saying to them that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonders. Then I will declare to him, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, there's a hymn in a hymn book that there's a, there's a sad day coming, there's a sad day coming, there's a glad day coming, there's a glad day coming. It depends on the choices we make here in this life. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God one day. 
And we're going to give an answer for the things we've done in the flesh. Which we've done. What we've believed. How we have acted. And what we have said. You see, some people say, all I need to have is faith. That's all I need. James 2.24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. That's a lie. People have told you all you have to do is believe. Bible doesn't teach that. You know, that's why Martin Luther, when he read the book of James, excluded it from the Bible. He just wouldn't study it because he said, that can't possibly be part of God's holy canon because it teaches something that I don't believe. My uh, mentor used to tell the story about preaching in, in Kansas when he was younger. And uh, he was preaching one day and he preached on baptism and a man came out and he said, you know, Bible's, baptism is not in my Bible. Brother Bill said, well, let me, let me see. He said, that's the same Bible I preach in the pulpit. And so he started to turn over to a verse on baptism. And sure enough, it wasn't there. Turned over to another one. Sure enough, it wasn't there. The gentleman had taken a penknife and cut every word baptism out of his Bible. Do you think that made it right? No. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books we're open. We're going to be judged by what's written in this book. It's going to be a sad day for those that have believed the lie they're told about God. James 1.22 Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Luke 6.46 But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Many today believe those who teach that faith alone would save a person. We can feel comfortable in that. But my friend, no matter how comfortable we may feel, it's not enough to save us. New Testament teaching knows no such concept. You know, the Methodist discipline says this, So then faith only is a most wholesome doctrine. And very full of comfort. Let me ask you this morning. Would you rather believe the Methodist discipline or would you rather believe what it says right there? Are you going to be judged by the Methodist discipline in the day of judgment or are you going to be judged by this book? We have to make up our mind what we want to believe. Somebody says, well, there are people that are proof spokesmen other than the apostles. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Luke 10, 16. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. In other words, the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit. They are life. So many today claim the right to speak with authority. Almost every denomination either has a person or committee who claims to have the right to speak for God. Studying our class in Romans, and the question was raised from the Old Testament, who are we to counsel God? What right do we have to question God 
or to say, I know better than God. Do others have the right, or is this another lie? In John 16, verses 12 through 15, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, and He will take of Mine, uh, take of what is Mine, and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I say to you, He will take of Mine and declare it to you. My friend, there's going to come a time And I don't know how soon that will be. When we will have to answer for the things we believe and we practice. We're either going to believe God's Word or we're going to believe a lie. Look over in Galatians, the first chapter, verses 6 through 9. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not of other, but there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so say I now again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to that which you have received, let him be accursed. Paul tells us that we need to compare spiritual things with spiritual words. I never ask a person to believe one single thing I say, just based on my say-so. I want you to take the Word of God. You know, the Bible says that those at Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if the things were right. And that's what I suggest that we do. We need to search the Scriptures daily to see if the things are so. There are many people that want us to believe that most people are going to be saved. We're talking about that in our our Romans class. As a matter of fact, I told Brother Jimmy he nearly preached my introduction in class this morning. But uh, the point is that there are people that don't want to believe what the Bible says. Now, they're good religious people. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes down to studying the, God, the Word of God, you're going to hear someone say as you read the Scripture, you know, I know that's what it says. You know what the next word's going to be? But. But. They want to believe that most people will say because it makes them comfortable. It makes them feel better. They don't have to do anything. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter in by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. Why? People want to go the easy way. They want to go the way that's comfortable. A long, long time ago, back when I was in a junior high school, I had a friend, and we studied the we studied the Bible in our time between classes and lunch. I remember his name. His name was Howard. 
And one day Howard brought me a letter from his mother. It's amazing what you remember, those, those uh, sentinel points in your life. His mother wrote a letter says, Dear Richard, we are comfortable in our religion. Please do not try and teach Howard any more. And I've always thought that being comfortable in your religion is sort of like my, my couch at home that lets out into a recliner. I can get comfortable in that. I might get too comfortable, I fall asleep. And if the house catches on fire, I'll die. Well, religion isn't an easy chair. Religion is a journey toward God. Most people meet God's threshold for entrance into heaven. Of course, God's love is so great that He certainly would not condemn most of humanity. You see the logic behind all of this? Those who would look to flood as proof otherwise are simply dismissed. And and again, in class this morning we pointed out that people want to believe what they want to believe. And when you try and point the truth out to them, I know that's what it says, but but the question is, is this the truth? Now someone says, look, Here's another line. There are different ways to become a Christian. Look at what Mark uh, writes in Mark 16, 15 and 16. Quoting the Lord, he says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Who's going to be saved? He that believes and is baptized. Almost every denomination has a different idea. Some think that infant baptism is followed by confirmation. I remember hearing about Brother J.D. Camp telling the story about this old boy that brought a goat into a denominational church service. And the preacher said to the man, what are you doing? I want my goat to be saved. So I want you to baptize him. And the preacher said, well, you can't save a goat by baptizing him. And he says, and he turned to the preacher and he says, you can't save a person either that just baptized and he doesn't want to be either. And that's true. Person, you think, well, my child's been baptized. The Bible says, arise and be baptized and do what? Wash away your sins. Call on the name of the Lord. What are they washing away? Children have no sin. Father shall not bear the iniquity of the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the son bear the iniquity of the son. The soul that sinneth, it shall die, the prophet wrote. Some say, well, all you've got to do is say the sinner's prayer. Having some sort of emotional experience. Brother Yader Tant told this story. He said the young man was, was very religious. And so after services one Sunday morning, he decided to, to walk in the woods. And he crawled into this big old hollowed out log. And he knelt there to pray and he heard the Lord's voice. 
And he ran back to the church building and told the preacher, and the preacher got up and, and told everybody that Brother So-and-so had had a life-changing experience. And next Sunday, he decided to go back into the woods again, and he, he decided to, to cry and holler log and pray. And he heard the Lord's voice again. He said, surely it can't be. I've already heard the Lord's voice and accepted the Lord. And so he crawled a little further and crawled a little further. And lo and behold, he found an infestation of June bugs. And he ran back to the preacher and he said, Preacher, preacher, I have, I, I have him to say, but I didn't hear the Lord's voice. He said, it was a good thing that I went back, otherwise I'd have gone all my life on a June bug religion. Yeah, my friend, it's not the still voice of the Lord you hear. It's His voice through His Word. It doesn't matter which way you choose, somebody says, but what does the Bible say? In Acts 8, 12 through 13, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God uh, and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon and so also believed that when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was made seeing the miracles and signs that were done. Every conversion recorded in the book of Acts describes men and women believing a preached message and then being baptized or immersed in water for the forgiveness of sin. Now, my friends, and I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were open and the dead were judged out of things written in the book. If you can't read it, you can't believe it. And someone says, well, there are different ways to have your sins forgiven. But look what 1 John 1 9 says. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Acts 8 22, repent therefore of your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thoughts of your heart might be forgiven you. Someone says, well, after conversion, how would one receive forgiveness of sins? Ask someone to pray for it. Do an abundance of good deeds. Go to church. I suspect uh, some are lying about God. One of my friends, this is the part where you get up and, and applaud because I'm finished. But realistically, only one way is found uh, to find the truth about what God thinks. And that's to read the book. There was a, a gentleman back in the 30s by the name of Horse Height. I remember him, not because I'm that old, but because I, I listened to old things. And he used to tell stories. He used to tell a story about Mary had a little lamb. And he said, Mary had a little lamb. Yes, she did. And he'd say these words. It's in the book. If you want to know what God wants you to do, don't listen to mama, daddy, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa. You listen to God. Because it's His words that will judge us in the last day. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. Listen to this. That the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped to every good work. My friend, the lesson is yours. 